thank you tonight for your Holy Spirit who is here to teach us, to guide us, to direct us. And Father, we want you to have your way in this place. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I'm Pastor Dave Schroeder, in case any of you have forgotten. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. That's, uh, that's probably the longest that it's been in over 40 years that I didn't get to church. And, uh, you know, because <clears throat> I basically miss one Sunday a year. That's when I'm on vacation and we do a brunch that Sunday morning. So that's our excuse anyway. Uh, but other than that, you know, any place that I go, we, we go to church anyway. And, and so uh, to not have, to have two Sundays in a row, um, a Wednesday, uh, Monday night, that was all canceled. That was just, uh, that was a long haul. Praise the Lord. So, uh, but God's good, isn't he? Amen. So we're continuing our series tonight. We're talking about the believer's authority. And uh, we're talking about <clears throat> law enforcement. And so we're, talk, we're going to be talking about the fact that God has given us laws. We're, we're familiar with um, physical laws. And uh, the significance of the law is that it works. Works the same time, uh, the same way all the time. It's supposed to work for all people. And, uh, <clears throat> but God has given us spiritual laws. And so we want to look at those spiritual laws. But as I was reading through my notes, and I want to read that, uh, Roman numeral one, I want to read that um, to begin with, and it says, we exercise authority when we take our responsibility and do what God has told us to do. Just, I want you to think about that. We exercise authority when we take our responsibility and do what God has told us to do. Um, I mean, I heard Creffle Dollar say it the other morning as I was listening to him. He talked about how, you know, he shares with people, you know, what God has done in his life and so forth and tells them how he got there. And, and, uh, but he says, you know, the interesting thing is he says they want what I have, but they don't want to do what I did to get here. What that is, is that's responsibility. And when we look at our life and when we live our life uh, and, and, and our Christian life, there's, there's things that we do that it's our responsibility. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, there's things God can't do. But he's given us the responsibility. He's given us his word that we can do it. And that when we do that, we're going to be enforcing those laws, those principles, whatever we want to call them. We enforce them or put them into motion so that we can see the manifestation of those things in our life. Um, last night after, uh, after our men's meeting, took Sean home and we were talking a little bit. And 
uh, we're talking about grace and how uh, certain individuals, they want to take grace and they, they want to take it out of its out of its proper context. You know, it's an interesting thing about any principle. If you walk with God with any period of time at all and you encounter the different um, movements, if you will, you know, that we've experienced over the last 45 years, uh, <clears throat> it's like when that, that movement begins, it, it's kind of like a pendulum. And the pendulum will swing way over here. And the reason that the pendulum swings way over here is because it was probably swung all the way over here. And so it's like you gotta, you gotta overcompensate for whatever it is. And so then the pendulum swings way over here, but eventually that pendulum gets where it needs to be. Brother Hagen used to always call it the middle of the road. He says what you gotta be careful of in your Christian walk is the ditches. Uh, because the ditches are where you will always encounter difficulty. But he says, as long as you stay in the middle of the road, you're not going to experience the ditches. You're not going to experience the extremes. You're not going to experience that which is going to bring destruction into your life. And so I remember, you know, I, I got saved during the charismatic renewal. It was during the, the shepherding movement. During that time, there were people like Bob Mumford and Basham and different individuals that were our, our teachers there at that time. And they talked about the shepherding movement. And uh, <clears throat> the, the shepherding movement, it went to an extreme. And because it went to the extreme, a lot of people were fearful of it. They totally shied away with it. And, and in, <clears throat> in, in the root of it, shepherding was basically discipleship and allowing yourself to be pastored. Well, what happened in the shepherding movement, it, it, went, it went to this, this extreme. And so people got so extreme with it to the extent that, um, you know, you, you couldn't even go to the grocery store unless you asked your elders about, you know, if it was okay. And if they didn't think it was okay, you didn't, you didn't go to the go to the grocery store. And it, it, was, it, was, it was ridiculous. That's, that's how it gets. It gets absolutely ridiculous. In fact, Abundant Life Ministries, its uh, first name when it was founded was Loving Shepherd Fellowship. You know, and so when we came and took the church over, that was four and a half years after the church had been started, you know, within the first year we changed the name. And uh, one of the ch reasons we changed the name is because everybody would identify it with that, with that shepherding movement. Not that the whole thing was bad, <clears throat> but they'd, they'd identify it with the extreme. And, <clears throat> you know, where I went to school, they, they, they taught a little bit about that. But it, 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 it had come back into balance where discipleship was part of the training. And I saw, you know, a lot of the training that individuals got when they went other places, they didn't get any of that. They didn't get the, the concept of discipleship and so forth. And so I felt like because it came into balance, it was a, it's a good thing. Then we got a hold of the word of faith, and the word of faith changed my life. But, you know, the word of faith changed the lives of a lot of people in a negative sense because people took it 
to the extreme. You know, I remember one individual, I read his books, great teacher, great teachings on faith, but he had gone to the extreme that uh, if, if, you were, if you went to the doctor, you were out of faith. And so in that circle, um, there were several women that had lost their babies because they didn't go to the doctor. They just did it at home. And there were other people that died prematurely of diseases that they could have very easily received simple medication for and, and uh, been taken care of, but had ta taken it to the extreme that if you're in faith, you know, <clears throat> you can't go to doctors, you can't do this, you can't do that, can't do the other thing. We saw it with uh, the confession message. Confession is extremely important. You know, but we, we went through a cycle where people took it to the extreme. You know, I remember the, 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 the thing that people would say was, you'd say, oh my goodness, it just about scared me to death. And they'd say, oh, you want me to agree with you on that, huh? You know, and uh, remember one time we went to a meeting, we came back to the meeting, and these people left their car in our driveway or their van, and when we got back, there was some moisture under the car, and we're pulling into the driveway, and the lady said, gee, I sure hope that's not brake fluid. The husband says, that's not brake fluid. In the name of Jesus, how dare you confess it over my car? Well, he got out of the car, it was brake fluid. And he is ticked off at her because she had confessed it into existence that it was brake fluid. Now, how many of you know that, that stupidity gone to seed and produce and harvest? <clears throat> it, it didn't, the water didn't turn into brake fluid. <sighs> but see, that's, that's in a ditch. But see, the other part of it is, is there's people that say things about themselves and about those around them that they ought not to be saying. And they're basically bringing about self-fulfilled prophecy because they're constantly speaking the negative over themselves. And so that's the ditch on the other side. And so <clears throat> where, where's the balance? And we're talking about the confession thing. I got ahead of myself a little bit. Where's the, where's the center of that? Well, the center of that is that, you know, I watch the things that come out of my, my mouth. I don't speak negative things. I speak things that are positive. I speak positive over myself and over others because I declare the word of God. But I'm still able to carry on a conversation with somebody. You know, if you have an ache in your body how can you ask me to pray for you unless you tell me you have an ache in your body? Amen? And so that's, that's not a negative confession. That's just sharing what you're experiencing at this point in time in your life. It's communicating. But then our communication goes on to the point to what we do then is we declare what the Word of God says about our situation. What am I I'm talking about responsibility. I really haven't lost sight of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talking about. We're, we're talking about responsibility. And so we're responsible for what we hear. And so, you know, the word of faith, you know, here were individuals that took it way out of, over here. But you know what? There was a point where it was way over here, where our attitude of God was, and this is what I grew up was, with, was, Que sera, sera, what will be, will be. You just never knew what God was going to do. 
And so it wasn't anything about faith. It was just whatever happens, happens. I guess it must be God's will. But when we begin to study and see the word of God, it tells us that we have authority, and that's what we're talking about, the believer's authority, that we have authority to speak concerning the circumstances and situations in our life, that we have authority over that. And that we can be doers of the word and not just simply hearers of the word. You know, when I began to see Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and in Hebrews 11th chapter, begin to see what faith was. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Seen in Romans where it says that we can call those things and be not as though they were. When we begin to see that, what happens is that it totally begins to change our life around. But then those that got a hold of the word of faith, there were those that got way over into the ditch because you'd go into people's houses and they'd have and this isn't all bad. But they'd have mansions on their refrigerator and they didn't even have a pot or a window. They had a brand new car, but they didn't, they didn't put a Chevy up there. They put a Lamborghini or something like that. Is that how you pronounce that? <clears throat> it shows you how much I know about. But, but anyway, you know, so they, they, they'd go to that extreme. And that they become all consuming. And what happened is their faith became about them. It ceased to be about God. You know, right now we've got a, a fresh revelation of grace. And uh, there was a need for that pendulum to swing. Because people were so under the law about what I do. It was based on my actions. God loved me because of my behavior. And so the grace swung and we began to realize that God loves us, not because of what I do, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus has done. And so my trust and my faith is completely in him. But <clears throat> the problem with the grace, there's this swing, is that People have made it all about them once again. You can, I can do what I want to do because I'm under grace. Well, what grace has done, grace has empowered us to be able to do the will of God. To be the, boy, this is going over really bad. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I'm 70. But see, the point is, what, what is the point of grace? It's so that we can serve Jesus. It isn't about Jesus serving me. It's about me serving him. And so grace, you know, like I've said before, when I received the message of faith, it was like getting born again again. When I received the message of grace, it was like getting born again again. Because it was this fresh new revelation. And of course, the moment that it came out, my, my antennas go up. Because... I've seen the abuses through every movement. And where people turn against it and reject it, I know that if we will hang in there, within that revelation, there is going to be balance that comes back to it. You know, our study prior to this, we talked about, no, we didn't. It was prior to that. We talked about the balance between faith and grace. 
Because there is a balance. Because grace is God's part, faith is our part. Grace is what God has done for you and me. Faith is how we experience the manifestation of those promises in our life. Well, what's this got to do with law enforcement? It's got everything to do with it. Because he's given us the law. He's given us these laws, these principles. That when we take the word of God and we apply them, they will work in our lives every single time. And so we exercise authority when we take our responsibility and do what God has told us to do. Now God in your notes says, however, this doesn't mean we can just command everything we want. You know, we do have authority to command. But you know, James says, faith without works, faith without corresponding action is dead. And so I can't just simply command things in my life. I have authority. I have a right to command things. But when I command something, my actions need to fall in line with that. I need to move in line with what he's showing us. Most people don't see the kingdom of God as operating under law. But he set in motion certain principles, certain laws. And again, the, the, the significance of it being a law or principle that God has put into motion is that it works every time. And it works for whomsoever. Whoever will put that principle into practice, that principle will work in their life. Now you say, well, I tried that once, it didn't work. Well, that's not how a law works. It's consistency. It isn't about trying something. It's believing something, because if we believe it, we stick with it no matter what. You know, <clears throat> I told Becky this fall, I said, I, I think I need therapy. I said, there's, there's something wrong with me. I said, as far back as I can remember, because I think the Vikings came into existence in 1962 or three, I have been a Vikings fan. And even before that, I have been a Gopher fan. And I have been so frustrated over the years but I am so convinced that there is potential there that I, I feel like a Cub fan sometimes. There's always next year. But see, it's ingrained in me. But you know what? That's something stupid. That's something foolish. That's something ridiculous. That's football. Really nothing stupid, foolish, or about that. But, but anyway, for the sake of preaching. But we're talking about something that's so much more important and significant than that. We're talking about the Word of God. And so we ought to be so convinced concerning the Word of God that no matter what we experience and see, we know that this Word 
is true. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that's being thrown around these days is how we are some of those wackos because we take the Word of God literally. And because we take the Word of God literally, we're intolerant uh, because if the Bible says it, I believe it. And so it's forever settled. And so <clears throat> no matter what popular opinion may be, we don't change because society has changed. Now, <clears throat> within society where society has changed, we still walk in love. But we don't change because society changes. We remain the same because the Word of God doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, <clears throat> as Christians in the United States, that's where our persecution is going to come from. Our persecution is going to come from the world and even within aspects and segments of the church because we refuse to waver from the inerrancy of the Word of God. That the Bible is written by holy men of God inspired by the Holy Ghost. And because we believe that, Scripture actually says holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The reason that we believe it, and because we believe that, we believe that this Bible, even though it was man that penned it, it was the Holy Spirit that directed those men that penned it. And so this is the written Word of God. And so we believe it beyond any, any shadow of a doubt. We believe it because this Word of God is so very, very significant in our life. And so, <clears throat> you know, like I said, I don't, I don't stay home very often on Sunday mornings. And, and uh, I, you know, Sunday mornings, um, I have my routine that I go through where I'm getting ready. You know, I get ready for church and go downstairs to have my breakfast and I sit in front of the TV and, and it, it's at the same time all the time. I mean, my wife makes fun of me, you know, because I put my socks and shoes on before I put anything else on. And she thinks, that's, that's stupid, that's silly. Why do you do that? And I said, because if I put my pants on first, then there's a chance that I might wrinkle them. But see, if I put my shoes and socks on, then I put my shirt on, and then I put my trousers on, there's no chance of wrinkling any of it. And so I can stand up in front, and I can turn around, and I don't have a wrinkled butt because I put my shoes and socks on first. Amen. And so I, I'm very, I do everything in order. And so then I get all dressed, and I come downstairs, and I... I, I grab my coffee and I grab my oatmeal as I'm coming through the kitchen and I go over and I sit down and, I, and, and by that time whatever Pastor Becky's been watching is probably over with and I turn to um, Joel Osteen and so I eat my oatmeal and drink my coffee and watch Joel Osteen 
And then I get up and I come out to the church and I'm out here just a little bit after, after eight. And so for, you know, for an hour and a half, I just hang around in my office and do whatever. And then eventually I get out and greet people as they're arriving because nobody arrives before 9.30. And, and so then, you know, so that's, that's my morning. And then we have church. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I'm ready because I've gone through my ritual. And when we have snow, it just screws everything up. So bad. It's just really bad. But so Sundays, the last two Sundays, I've had all this time on my hands. And so I've, I've watched these other programs that I don't ordinarily get to watch. And, and I'm, I'm just amazed at how little scripture is used. You know, Junior rolls his eyes on me on Sunday morning because of my page and a half of scripture that I give him. May not use all of them, but, you know, that's... But the Word of God ought to be that important, that significant to us. That it's, we recognize it's important. Listen to this. Philippians 2, verse 9. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him. Who's he talking about? Talking about Jesus. Highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. Can I hear a praise the Lord? He's been given the name that's above every other name and he entrusted us with that name. That's what gives us authority because he told us to take that name and to use that name. But it says, therefore God, because God the Father gave it to him, for God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whew. I mean, that's, that's good. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. And we've been given authority to use that name that is above every other name because at the mention of that name every knee should bow. So that name is pretty significant, isn't it? That name is pretty awesome. But listen to this. Psalms 138 verse 2. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Whoa. 
you get that? The name of Jesus is so mighty that every other name must bow its knee to the name of Jesus. But God has exalted his word above his name. Now the name was given to Jesus by God. But God has exalted his word even above the name. Well, I don't know if I really understand that, Pastor Dave. Well, I'm not sure I do either. Except I know this. That when we speak the word of God, things happen. Why is, why is it so important for us to understand the significance of the word of God? Because there's power in that word. There's might in that word. There's a law that's in operation with that word, that when we use that word, and it's, we have faith in that word. See, it isn't just spewing out a word. Or it isn't even spewing out the word. It's having faith in that word. You know, that's why Romans 10, 17, we're all familiar with it, and you've heard it 150 times. You know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God that in the Greek that's in the continuous present tense, that faith comes by hearing, continually hearing the word of God. It's in the continuous present tense. So we continue to hear the word of God. Why? So that we have faith in that word, so that when we speak that word in the name of Jesus, we see results. April shared just a little testimony with me before church, just blessed socks off me. But um, I probably won't share it right, but so be it. <clears throat> Join the club, that's what Becky says about all my stories. What does she know? She can't remember. I remember. By the way, they had something at school and, and uh, uh, about teaching about if some, there was somebody armed that came in or whatever, what would you do? And, and the majority of the students, they said, well, they'd call the police or whatever it may be. But they approached Jaden and said, what would he do if uh, uh, somebody came? And he said, well, I'd do what Pastor Dave said. And what was the scripture used again? I, I don't You know, that he had authority in the name of Jesus, whatever. I, I remember the conversation, but I don't remember the exact passage. He says, I just quote that scripture at him. Now, that's faith. I'd probably quote the scripture and duck, but, <clears throat> but that's, that's faith. Amen. And that's the confidence that we need to have in the word of God. How do we get that confidence in the word of God? It isn't by hearing it once. It's by hearing it, and by hearing it, and by hearing it. Psalms 89 and 34, it says, My covenant, and see this, this book, 
You know, in Joshua, he talks about this book of the law. This book is his covenant to us. It's his, his last will and testament to us. It's the covenant that he made with us. He says, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. It's unchanging. You know, there's some that might say, well, you know, we're in a different time, and so the word has changed, not in the eyes of God. We can stand upon God's word because God's word doesn't change because he says, I'll never alter it. Whatever's gone out of my lips, and you say, well, this is written, but this is what's come out of him. Like I said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke to these individuals. They wrote it down. And this is the scripture, what we have today. It's the, it's the word of God that is for you and I. Hebrews 1.3, it says, Who being in the brightness of his glory, an express image of his person, and upholds all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin and sat down at the right hand, of majesty on high. Upholds all things by his word. Repelled by his word. His word undergirds us. His word is what sustains us. His word is what will take us through to the very end. It will hold us up. But it's his word in our mouth. It isn't just his word on the pages of this book. It's his word in our mouth when we, when we speak it, we release it, we allow that authority to go forth. And it brings to pass those things that we are believing for. In order to effectively use our authority, you must know what God's laws are. Or we must know how to appropriate it, how to work it, how it works in the kingdom. How does God's kingdom operate? You see, oftentimes we're so caught up in this world, we, th this life that we live, we know how it operates. We know how to write out a check. We know how that operates. We know how to use a telephone. We know how that operates. We know how this, this world that we live in we know how it operates. But we're not of this world. We're of his kingdom. You know, years and years back, there's a book that um, um, Pat Robertson wrote. And, it, and the title of the book was Laws of the Kingdom. And, and I, for, I forget how many laws he taught in his book. I think it was something like, I think there were six or seven, someplace in that. But he, he took every one of the, the laws and principles in God's word and he, he, he talked about them and then he, he showed how we, we operate in those laws and principles in our life and how we, we, we get them to manifest how they, they work. And so <clears throat> that's why this, this Bible is so important. You know, we've talked about where it says, Whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that those things that he says will come to pass will have whatever he says. And so that's a, a principle of the kingdom that when we speak to circumstances in our life, that those circumstances have to begin to move. Now the thing that we, we need to realize is along with that, there's, there's an action that's gonna go along with it. It isn't just a matter of, of, of speaking it out. You know, I, I use the example of people putting stuff on, on their refrigerators. Now I don't have a problem with that. If you've got stuff all, your, all over your refrigerator, praise the Lord, thank you Jesus, hallelujah. <clears throat> you know, you don't have grandkids yet. They'll replace all that stuff someday. You know, <clears throat> but, but I don't have a problem with that because we ought to be believing for stuff, amen? You know, and um, young Cho taught that when, you, when, you, when you're believing for something, you need to be specific about it. Uh, young Cho, you know, he pastored at one time, I assume that it still is, the largest church in the world in South Korea. And he talked about when he, he started that church, he had absolutely nothing. And he was believing for a bicycle. And he was believing for it and he was believing for it and it wasn't coming to pass. And so one day he's praying and God says, well, you need to be a little bit more specific. There's a lot of different bicycles. <laughs> and so he, he got specific about the bicycle with the color and different things like that. I don't know how specific you can get with a bicycle. But anyway, he got specific about it and it came like shortly thereafter. But he is the one that really teaches that, that when, you, when you're believing God, you need to be specific about what you're believing for. It's a principle, it's a law. And so when we, when we begin to believe, when we speak to that mountain and we command that mountain to be moved, uh, we need to be specific and we need to know what we're believing for. Oh, I was on the refrigerator thing. You know, but you know what happened with it, why, why people got so far into the ditch is people would fill their refrigerator with stuff and you know, and I, I'm believing God and then they'd quit their job. But they, they, they disconnected themselves from any avenue by which God could bless them. The Bible says, you know, the same Bible that says, speak to the mountain, is the same Bible that says that he'll bless the labors of your hands. And so when we apply ourselves, when we put ourselves forth, we, we allow God to bring blessing into our life. And so I look around the room and I see people that work. And so every one of you, except you retired folk, <coughs> you, know, <coughs> you know, but uh, people, you know, you're, you're working. And so you need to be believing because God will bless you be of, above and beyond. They're still working because they're still given of their time and energy. And therefore God is going to continue to bring blessing into their life. But what happens is people will take one thing that they see in the Bible and they'll shut down to everything else. And they close the avenue by which God would use to bring blessing into their life. I think it was a couple of weeks ago I shared here. Well, it'd have to be more than a couple of weeks ago because we haven't One of the last times we were together, when you still knew who I was, I had shared how when we built this building, uh, we had a, a contractor, but we had an agreement with him that 
we could have others come in and volunteer their time and so forth, and they would put them to work. And, and so we, we paid them you know, on an hourly basis rather than a contract. And then eventually we got the building to the point to where we had some individuals that uh, were laid off through the winter, and so we just hired them to do the work. They did a lot of the interior walls and sheetrock and different things like that. And, uh, and so we, we, you know, discontinued our, our employment of the, our, the, the, the contractor. He was, he was fine with it. We had individuals working and we'd, we paid them and we're down to two because others had gone to work. And so we were uh, about out of the funds that we had for the construction. And so I had um, given them their check on Friday or whatever it was and said, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, but, you know, we're, we're, we're out of funds, and so we're going to finish the building with, with volunteer labor, and, and so we're not going to be able to pay anymore. And they said, well, we understand. Of course they understood. Well, the thing about it was, you know, I felt bad, you know, because we couldn't continue to employ them. But, you know, it was interesting. We, we finished off the rest of the building uh, with volunteers. We'd come in on Saturday or whatever it may be. But those individuals never showed up for a, a volunteer day once um, they, they stopped being paid. And one day I was praying about it and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and I believe it was the Holy Spirit. He says, I could have continued to bless them and meet their needs, but they didn't provide me with an avenue by which I could do that because I could not bless the labors of their hands because they weren't applying themselves. You know, it's interesting. God's true to his word. And uh, I don't know about you, this has happened to me, that <clears throat> I may have worked for a certain salary, but God blessed me above and beyond through other avenues, whatever it may be. It may have been somebody giving me money. It may have been a uh, just a, a benefit in some way. You know, I remember when I first got born again. You know, I was working for Shriver Construction as a plumber. And I'd, I'd just been, you know, saved for less than a year. And there was going to be this Holy Spirit conference up in Minneapolis. And, and <clears throat> we really felt like we wanted to go to it. And so I went to the individual that was the head of the plumbing department and asked if I could have the time off and and uh, uh, he said, well, yeah, you, I, I can give you that time off, but we don't pay, we don't pay vacations or anything. And I says, I, I understand that. You know, I'm not asking for that. I'm just, you know, if I can have the time off. And he says, yeah, you know, you can have the time off. And so, you know, beginning about four weeks before we were supposed to go up to Minneapolis for a week, um, he started giving me, I, I started, to, we, we needed a lot of um, extra time. And so I was getting overtime and so forth. And I just thought, oh, praise the Lord. God, you're just so good. You're meeting our needs in another way. And, and uh, so it was, it was good. And so we went to the conference and got blessed. In fact, that was where I got introduced to Bob Heil and Lynn Heinz, which ultimately led me to the school that I went to down at Christian Outreach School of Ministries. And, and uh, so I get back and 
And Friday comes along, payday, and uh, the head of the plumbing department comes by and he gives me an envelope with my check in it. And I said, uh, well, I was gone last week. He says, yeah, I know, don't tell anybody. He said, I decided to pay you anyway, even though we don't pay vacations. So I got blessed above and beyond. You know, and so the thing I want you to understand is when we apply the principles that God is, well, what principle did you apply? The principles that I had applied from the time that I got born, I mean, it was ingrained in me through my dad and so forth, you know, providing for a family and so forth. So I, I always worked. Uh, but the moment that I got born again, I, we, we began to pay to give tithes and offerings. And so the principles that I put into play brought blessing into my life. And, and people say, well, I don't, I don't. It was because you had a guy that was, wanted to just bless you. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Doesn't always come through. It comes through different ways. But it's going to come one way or another. It's going to come through men. Well, I just always believed that it'd fall from the sky. Well, God can't do that. He would have to be a counterfeiter because he doesn't have money in heaven. They're on the gold standard in heaven. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You know, but, but it's not going to come that way. But you know what? He can, he can has all sorts of avenues by which he can bless us above and beyond. We may have a particular salary, but when we put into motion the spiritual laws that guide our life, the blessing comes above and beyond the natural laws, the natural principles. Now, if you want to limit yourself, to the natural laws and natural principles, you can do that. I don't wanna. I wanna go above and beyond that. I, and, and that's where faith comes in. Faith takes us beyond what we can naturally see in our own. And he wants to work in our life. And of course, when we do that, that's where the scripture in Romans, in your notes, Romans 3, 27, it says, where is the boasting then? There is none. It is, it's excluded by, uh, by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. We still operate under the law, but we have a couple of new laws that we operate by. We operate by the law of love, and we operate by the law of faith. Those are the, and if you don't like the word law because it gives you a negative connotation, call it a principle. But that's how we operate. We operate by faith, and when we operate by faith, we fulfill the law of love. Because that's what Jesus said. He said, <clears throat> we're not under the law, because we have a new law that's in operation in our life. It's the law of love. And the significance of that is, you know, <clears throat> I'm not saying 
that the Ten Commandments and the other laws that we see in the Old Testament, I'm not saying that they're not important. I'm saying we have a new law that's in operation in our life. It's the law of love which is inspired by the Holy Spirit and we fulfill it by faith. But it's an interesting thing. If I'm living by faith, fulfilling the law of love, I have no other gods before my God. I'll not take the name of my Lord God in vain. I'll keep the Sabbath day. In other words, I'll set time aside that I fellowship with my Father God. I will honor my mother and my father. I will not steal. I will not kill. I will not bear false witnesses. I will not covet. In other words, I will fulfill, I know I left out a commandment or two, but you know where I'm going with that. But if I'm operating, if I'm living by faith, fulfilling the law of love, what the old covenant talks about, I fulfill it, not because I'm trying to keep a bunch of rules and regulations. I fulfill it because I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And by faith, I do what he's called me to do. I got to spend more attention to this thing. It keeps going out on me. Isn't it wonderful to know that I don't have that cloud hanging over my head? We don't have a cloud hanging over our head. We have a fire in our belly. And it's known as the Holy Ghost. And he wants to guide us. He wants to direct us into all truth. And when we allow him to do so, he'll do it. And we have nothing to boast about. You remember my story when I was working for John's Plumbing down in Arnold, Missouri. And John was just simply a practicing heathen. I mean, he, I think he cursed for my benefit knowing that I was in Bible school. And uh, when, uh, and, but, but one of the guys I worked with was a Christian. He had actually gone to Bob Jones University. He knew what law was. And uh, <clears throat> inside joke, y'all don't know what Bob Jones University is. So anyway, but anyway, so Christmas time came along. And so we get to the shop, and John tells his wife, he says, I want you to go down and write each of the guys out a check. I want to get a bonus. And after taxes are out, I want them to have this much money in their pocket. And so she went downstairs, and she did that, and gave us the checks, and gave us some cookies and other things. I don't know what all it was. Anyway, we get on our truck to go out and, and start working, and the guy I'm working with, he's the guy that went to Bob Jones, and he had worked for John for several years now. And, and uh, he says, man, I, I, I just don't believe that he did that. And I said, well, why? And he says, he's, he's never done that before. You know, because we said something to him about, well, it's really nice of you to do that. And he said, well, you made it. You might as well help me spend it. And so we're, we're going out in the truck. He said, I, I, just, I just can't believe that he's done that. And I said, well, he says, he's never done that. And he says, well, I says, well, haven't you ever heard of the blessings of Abraham? Thought I was being really spiritual. And he says, yeah, but he says, I don't know. He says, 
looks more like to me the blessings of Schroeder. And I thought about that and I thought, I really like that. <laughs> but you know what? <clears throat> Had nothing to brag about because God takes us above and beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. Why? Because we put our confidence in Him. We're not to be ignorant of what He has done on our behalf. You know, we're not to be ignorant of what the cross provided for you and I. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, now this is the confidence. See, we're to have confidence. And how do we, how do we get confidence in the things of God? Through the Word of God. You know, the Bible says, His Spirit, our Spirit, bears witness to the Holy Spirit. And we know that concerning salvation. You know, <clears throat> we know we're saved because the Word of God tells us so. Amen? Because the Bible says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I shall be saved. I believe it in my heart. I've confessed it with my mouth. Therefore, I have confidence that I'm safe. But I have confidence because of another reason. My spirit bears witness with the Holy Ghost. And so if I say I'm not saved, inside me it goes, I know that's not true. I know I'm saved. Why? Because my spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit. You know, <clears throat> I used to not be able to say that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You know why? Because I didn't believe it. But I began to read the Word of God. Funny how that works. But I began to read the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, meditate on the Scripture that says that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. That I am a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. I believe that. But you know what? If I say, well, I'm really not righteous, there's just something down on the inside of me. It's a sick feeling. Why? Because my spirit doesn't bear witness with that. But when I say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, inside me it just goes whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. You know what that is? That's my spirit bearing witness with the Holy Spirit. And you see, that's the adjustment, that's the change that begins to take place in our life. And so here it says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, and I ask something that I know is his will, I know that he hears me. And I have confidence in that. Why? Because my spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that he wants me to have it. Well, Pastor, you're just getting too fanatical here. Yeah, glory to God. It's about time, isn't it? Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know 
that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Why do we know? Because we've asked according to his will. How do we know that we've asked according to his will? Because his word has revealed to us what his will is. That's why we can pray with anybody. If somebody says, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, you grab a hold of that hand and you say, you repeat this after me. Because you can have confidence knowing that it's God's will for them to pray that prayer and receive salvation into their life. You say, well, I don't know if they know enough. If they know enough to ask you to pray for them, they know enough. Because that's the starting point. And then you take them from there. You lead them from there to where they know what the promises are in God's Word. Somebody says, well, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You kneel down, you slap your hands on them, and you start praying over them. And you release the Holy Spirit in their life. And then you say, now, shundai for me. And they start shun. Well, pastor, I'm not sure. <coughs> they know enough. If they knew enough to ask, they know enough. Let them get it figured out after the fact. Because let me tell you something. You'll never understand the Holy Ghost until you've got the Holy Ghost. I never knew how good leather seats were in a car until I had leather seats in a car. But I've never had one without since. Then I found out what heated seats were like in a car. And I determined I'll never have a car without heated seats. And then I found out what air in the seats are like. And not have a butt that sweats again as you're driving down the road. And I'm determined to never have a car. Again, are you supposed to say butt in church? I don't know. <clears throat> Hallelujah. But see, how do you know that? Because you have experienced it. What does the Bible say? Taste and see. God is good. Give them a taste. Don't withhold it from them. Oh, mercy, we're done. You can read the rest for yourself. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad you know the truth of the Word of God? Because you'll know the truth and it'll set you free. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. We will see you Sunday.